And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for hitting the download, and welcome to the May 1986 episode of When Did That Come Out? An ongoing two-man journey of covering one year of film and 12 movies that came out for every month of that year. I'm your host, Charlie Stabile, joined as always by my partner and co-host, William Rankin. Will, how you doing? Good, man. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> little Uncle Buck uh, there for you. Uh, like I said, it is May 1986, the film we will be covering today. Uh, one of our favorite actors, one of the first things that I recall us bonding over is our love for Sylvester Stallone. And who would have thought that the, the first movie we would have come across to do for him on the show would be Cobra, which is what we'll be looking at today, the Golden Globus canon film Cobra. Well, do you remember the first time you saw Cobra? Yeah, I saw Cobra. I was our. I mean, I was definitely. I think I was maybe just barely twenty years old. Like I didn't see this as a kid at all. But um, through all right, through you're friend, like me. Okay. Yeah, like I, I definitely saw it more in my twenties, and I've seen it a, like so many times since then. But it was a friend of mine a VHS copy of it, and we would watch it like every night we were at his apartment. He would like he told me like this was his go to fall asleep movie because it's so perfectly. <laughs> It really was like With he the just Night Stalker. Them. Yeah, well, like because here's the thing: like the opening, like the first like 10, 15 minutes is in that grocery store. By the time that's over with, he's already passed out. So it's perfect. It was always perfect for that because well, that's, that's the highlight of the movie. It really is the highlight of the movie. So, man, yeah, I've seen this a ton since um, since then, and it's it's such a since we're doing it in this type of context, it's a very weird movie to do. It's it's I love the movie because it's 87 minutes or 86 minutes. I also hate it because it's 86 minutes too. So Absolutely. it's a, it's a weird movie. But on your end, when did you see it? I want to say around the same time. Uh, I was probably I think I was I think I was already at USC. So 10 years ago I was in college and this was one of those movies that was that you would find in the $5 bin at Walmart. And uh, I, this was back when I was just collecting movies left and right, specifically movies by actors that I loved. And there was a time where I had more Stallone movies than anything, which means I got a, I had a couple duds in there. <laughs> and I always a couple. Well, <laughs> there's that four <laughs> pack that always made me laugh, which was uh, was a Demolition Man, Tango and Cash, Over the Top, and The Specialist. You know, <laughs> those. Ooh, man, that's bad. But it's better Cobra, than the two. It's better than the two thousands one, which was Avenging Angelo, ICU, ugh. Driven, and <laughs> and I forget. Oh, Shade, Shade would be the fourth okay, one. Okay, Shade. I haven't <laughs> seen it in a, in a while, but I remember really liking ICU. <laughs> I, I, it's I got a different name, right? A, oh, it was. Uh, What's it? It's like landlocked or <laughs> quarantine. It, yeah, they did change the name of the movie, and it's got yeah. something. To, it's it sounds like landlocked, but anyway, that's that's I see you, um, Cobra. This was one of those movies that sounded awful, and it was simply from the, the reviews I would read. And I, I remember picking up the movie, and I swear, before uh, watching it for this episode that we are doing now, I believe I'd only seen it one time, but I do remember. I did remember that I really liked it. And 
like you said, it's kind of hard to peg exactly why I like the movie. Um, I'll tell you what, even before I saw Cobra, you know what I saw before Cobra? Beverly Hills Cop 2? Well, Where yeah. they mention Cobra? Where they mention yeah. Cobra? That's that's the thing I thought you were going to say, is like when they show Billy's got the poster for Cobra in his house. Oh, that's right. Oh. oh I was always okay. intrigued. Cool. That... At, I was intrigued Ooh. by that for years. I... Uh... Okay, that's going to be an interesting talking point here in a bit. No, no, no. Believe it or not, before Cobra, I saw Fair Game. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah, Fair Game, and that's a, that's, that's a nice little jumping off point. So Cobra that's, that's is good for that movie's good for one thing and one thing. Only. Oh, you know it. <laughs> but there's there's uh this movie is somewhat based on a novel called Fair Game by Paula Gosling. Uh, and this is this this novel has been turned into a movie how many times you said three I don't even know the third time I, um that's a I don't know I have to go back and look I mean how I, how difficult I, I is thought this plot? I really thought I I really thought I was just twice but there might have been like a third one okay I could have sworn you it, said three times and I'm, yeah and that might not be far fetched might like like La Femme Nikita or something like that but right right. You, but yeah, fair fair game is fairly awful, and it's I mean that's that's pretty much the end of William Baldwin. <laughs> so like this isn't exactly um, material that makes you know for quality compelling filmmaking, but and yet Stallone kind of makes this work, which is interesting. So this movie, believe it or not, had originally started out its origins other than fair game in Beverly Hills Cop, the original movie where. Sylvester Stallone was set to play a character named Axel Cobretti. I, I remember hearing about this w- when watching documentaries on the Beverly Hills Cop DVDs, because I'm a huge Beverly Hills Cop fan. And just the thought of Stallone being in that movie, which, which you know, it wouldn't have been the same movie. Uh, but at the same time, to not have that movie or that series in Eddie, Mil- Eddie Murphy's filmography is um, completely changes the way I would look at him. So luckily that didn't work out. We got Beverly Hills cop and Cobra. I would have never known that this was, that this came from that in any way whatsoever. All he did was change the name from Axel to Marion, which I, I Cobra is really the only word I can think of that can follow Marion and make it sound cool. I love the name yeah. and they, and they refer to him as the Cobra. Uh, the plot of the movie is, incredibly simple uh, sylvester stallone plays marion cobretti a cop who has to protect a, a, a victim brigitte nielsen from a group of well what are these people it's the new world it's like a cult basically like the new world and i it it's it's tough watching this after you've been a wrestling fan because you want to call it the new world order like the whole time like that's all i wanted to keep calling it but um, do they call it the new world in the movie yeah, it's um, oh, it, I, I missed that. It's mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think specifically where he mentions it. Yeah, yeah. The um, in the beginning in the grocery store, the guy says it like that uh, character Pock, actor, Pockface. That's all I ever. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to say it because well, I, I remember him see, in Due Date see, most recently. That's like he's it. A, see, whenever <laughs> whenever I see him, I'm like, oh, it's not Robert Davy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's Ricky Davy. Ricky Davey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ricky Davey. Yeah, like 
<laughs> like the the new, like the new world they are so like basically like this is and this is kind of a takeoff on like things that were going on in the 80s and the kind of late 70s like the rise of these kind of underground cults almost and like how like you you couldn't really guess who was going to be a part of it because like the mo- one thing Cobra establishes pretty early on is this isn't just like the freaks that live next door to you that are part of the new world. It's maybe your banker on his lunch break goes and hangs out at the new world uh, clubhouse, cha- like right. playing in the, the axes together and stuff. You know, working like, with the Foot it's, Clan. It's it's exactly the problem is like <laughs> they're probably like, and you're gonna get into this, I'm sure, was we're talking about the the length of the movie, like the runtime of the original mm. runtime of the movie probably gave a little bit more time to talk about who were these guys why were they doing this and, and stuff like that but what we're basically just led like Marion Cobretti and the zombie squad are basically having a battle continuously this this is this just the serial murders that are going on by the new world specifically who I guess their de facto leader the night stalker right or is it the, the night, the night stalker Sla- played by uh played by uh Brian oh, wash day tomorrow is he, Thompson wait a second. Is it Night Slasher? No, the Night Slasher. Which one's Richard Ramirez? Night Stalker was the real thing. Sorry. Yeah, because yeah, I said That's Night right. Stalker. It's the Night Slasher. And right. our introduction to these uh, to this Motley crew is basically just a bunch of clanging together of axes and shiny objects in what, in what looks like some kind of back alley, like, fire hell. You know, it's, it's very oddly edited in. And, I mean... There, there, there's a guy in a suit. Like, yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. yeah. That's uh, I mean, jo- he, dre- he Morgan, overdressed for the occasion. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that's interesting, like, the, like, because just talking briefly about Fair Game, like, like I loved it when Roger Ebert just like ripped into Fair Game, uh-huh. talking about like how, like, because the, the the one thing that they have in common is cop person to protect and then just villain organization that's after her now what's funny and fair game is they're trying to kill off cindy crawford's character because she um she, she's like kind of like a, an attorney that will probably break open the case against this bad group of people so they're trying to kill her but then by the end of the movie they've captured her and it's not really explained and they won't why kill they her. Just, exactly <laughs> at least in cobra like i'm sure i think they're pretty consistent with trying to hunt down and kill brigitte brigitte nielsen in mm-hmm. but th- th- I mean, it's it's like you said, man. The plot is pretty well, A plus B equals C here, right? Yeah. So it's from what I could gather, the only motivation they have to try to kill her is the fact that she can identify Brian Thompson, uh, which man, that's not going to be difficult, uh, <laughs> right? Exactly. That guy's, that guy's got a face, so s- simply because he she can identify him, they need to wipe her out. And other than that, every single kill appears to be random. Now, whether it was that way or not in the original two-hour and ten-minute cut that apparently exists somewhere of this movie, I have no idea. See, that's one of the things that's complicated about talking about this movie. And movies that get cut drastically in particular. Um, if Cobra is a special case, though, but if the movie is... If, if the quality of the movie as is isn't very good or is barely just enough good that it works fine on its own, then that's one thing. But if you were to add another 20 or 30 minutes, I honestly couldn't say whether or not it would help or hurt the movie. And this is one of those times too, because we just don't have enough to go on when it comes to, um, some of these characters. Cause that's apparently what's in the the longer version is the, the characterizations of other characters other than Cobretti. 
which I mean, <laughs> and the the movie as is. I mean, like I said, the his partner Poppy from uh, Seinfeld. He <laughs> the only backstory we have on him is that he just really likes junk food. Yeah, and Rennie's, what Rennie Santoni is great. Like I, I've he I, he's always been just a very good, solid supporting actor. And the, the you got to start at the top with this movie, and it's Stallone is like at. at he is equally awesome and like terribly miscast in this movie, and the reason is because if you establish that there's this group of cops that work basically the graveyard shift, they they are they do the 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 kind of the crap jobs that come in. They work the the worst beats in in the L.A. cop system. So you're like Rennie Santoni looks like he works there. Marion Cobretti yes. or Sylvester Stallone with the perfectly shaven Don Johnson, you know, uh, beard with just, I mean, he's a gorgeous man. Like you're telling me that dude works the zombie squad. He doesn't work during the day. Like with other cops, like he doesn't work as yeah. Ray Tango, you know, like right. as he would, everyone like else th- looks like your dad, right? Everyone else. You and know, I th- and then there's Stallone. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's just, it's such a weird way of miscasting, and I think this is a, a good segue to talk about, like, Stallone's ego, not just as his on-screen persona, but behind the scenes, is a big force behind this movie. I mean, we talked about well, this earlier, like... <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let, let, let's get into this. So, ten years prior to Cobra, Stallone uh, had Rocky, and he... I don't care what anyone says. It's one of the great American film performances, I think. The original Rocky, hell, even Rocky II, just really good, like solid. And and you read these stories about Stallone from the time, and it seems like he was like a truly genuine guy and just good to people and this and that. And then 10 years goes by, 10 years, four Rocky movies and two Rambo movies that were huge. And this is the Stallone that we get now. And... You know, I, I think I've told you before, when I was living out in L.A., I worked with people who worked with them, and every single person had nothing but bad things to say. And, and all the movies that were d- that they had done with him were done in the late 80s. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, Stallone, Real quick, drop, drop that, tan- that Tango and Cash story, because that, oh, that, that works perfectly with Cobra. Yeah, so, t- so Tango and Cash, which is 1989, three years after Cobra, uh, I, I worked with a stage director who I, I think he worked on uh, in, in interior decorating for sets on Tango and Cash, and I asked him about it, and and he told me two different stories, one for Stallone, one for Kurt Russell. The one he told for Kurt Russell, he said he was the, the, the biggest sweetheart of a man. I remember that, that those were the words that he used for Kurt Russell. However, for Sylvester Stallone... Stallone actually had demanded that they build a $2 million house from the bottom for his house in Tango and Cash. Now, anyone who has seen Tango and Cash will tell you, Stallone doesn't have a house that looks like it's $2 million at all. Uh, As I I recall, he has a very basic-looking house. And, And what happened was they had built this house, used all that money, and Stallone had gone into it, looked around, and said, no. No, this is no good. This sucks. And he and he walked out, and that was the end of it. And that that's that's a firsthand account. Like there are other stories that I, I remember from Tango and Cash, r- at least reading about it. Like um, the uh, the DP that was fired. It's a it's a well known guy. I can't remember his name, but he it's, kept it's Barry Sonnenfeld. Barry Sonnenfeld. Okay, Sonnenfeld kept shooting Stallone. I'm gonna guess it's from his left side because every time I see Stallone prominently featured on anything, it's his right side of his face. Van Damme has the same problem where they don't like being shot on one half of their face because it's not their good side or whatever it is. But 
that that's what got Sonnenfeld fired. And Tango and Cash, like, it's amazing that that movie turned out as good as it did when you hear about all this. But clearly Stallone has an ego issue at this point, and rightfully so. I mean, I can't blame him for, like, for all the way. Uh, 1986, so in, in 85, he had the one-two punch of Rambo 2 and Rocky 4. These were the two biggest movies that came out that year, and he starred in them. And this Cobra was his first movie after those two. So this is this is top of the world, number one box office draw, Sylvester Stallone. So yeah, it, it, you, Hollywood changed him. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. And the stuff that we've read about Cobra and the stuff that he he put people through, like not wanting to talk to extras or impressing the bodyguards or holding halting film scheduling and shooting so that he could be with Brigitte Nielsen, who he had been with in Rocky four. I mean, it's just one thing after the other. And it's, it's, it's almost amazing that he showed up to work, you know, cause I try to try to watch his performance and, and see where it doesn't work and where it does. And it's very strange. Like this, this type of character, this Marion Cobretti character is very, similar to the type of character that Schwarzenegger was making fun of in Last Action Hero. In fact, Schwart- uh, the Jack Slater character in Last Action Hero almost has the exact same introduction scene. It's almost the exact same thing. Yeah. And, and St- Stallone, it, it's, it, it's, it's weird because we mentioned it earlier, this movie has a bit of a Dirty Harry vibe going on from the casting of Santoni and the guy who played um, the, the, the Scorpio killer. They're both in this movie. And on top of that, the, the little themes that randomly decide to show their head in this movie that are prominently featured in Dirty Harry, such as uh, the justice system only working for criminals and cops not wanting to be cops anymore, being rogue, going rogue. It's very strange, especially when you consider the fact that there were Dirty Harry movies that came out in the 80s, like, this was still being done, and yet Stallone, he wanted to give it a shot. At least that's the way I see it. And you take a very 80s-type action hero character, like Marion Cobretti, and place it into a a 70s-style story, it's a weird juxtaposition. And for my money, for the most part, it works, I think. What about you, Will? The opening scene, like, I, I always start there. Like, that opening okay. scene is a great hook. It is actually oh, a really yeah. good been, hook. They could have made a trailer based around that opening scene. It's Christmas, and, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and we're it at is the, Christmas. <laughs> good. No, I'm glad you brought it up. It is, we're no, at the, no sale, though. <laughs> we're, at the, we're at the Piggly Wiggly or wherever. And, you know, uh, <laughs> Ricky Davey shows up and apparently... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, we have to assume he's probably on drugs because he, uh-huh. or, at least, or maybe he's just making some weird acting choices. I don't know, and just pulls out a shotgun and just unloads on people to a point where even the cops are on the outside. Like we, we really don't know what to do. To which Art Lafleur delivers the line of the movie: Call "What a line! Cobra. Call in the Cobra!" <laughs> Laughed out loud. I'm like, this is last action hero. Yep. And <laughs> and, and dude, look. I mean. I, here, here he shows up in this awesome, uh, what, 1950s Mercury with a match in his mouth and these awesome aviator sunglasses. Like, who the hell is this guy? And sure enough, man, like him just stalking his way through there. He picks up, picking up the, the intercom thing just to taunt the guy oh, is God. awesome. 
It's, I mean, you're the disease, I'm the cure. Like, I mean, he is just like, he is hitting the toggle on the N64 to, to keep getting, he's getting a special up like he's from a WWF. Up. Yeah, from No Mercy. And then just like, I mean, I mean, I just the back and forth, like, uh, it can't do that. Why? <laughs> you're, uh, you're a psychopath. I don't deal with psychos. I just put them away. Great. Great. Just keep it coming, man. I mean, yeah. it's that whole I don't scene, shop here. I don't shop here. <laughs> I mean the Coors when he opens that Coors and chugs and a little bit of it. he takes a sip of lukewarm beer. How yeah. badass can you get? <laughs> I mean, and then like just keep it no, rolling. It's... We follow him to his house, and like this is where we kind of this is like where we follow Riggs, you know, to the trailer where we learn like little bits about Martin Riggs. What we learn about Marion Cobretti? He lives by a giant Pepsi sign in a weird and, apartment where and he, he cuts, cuts pizza pe- with scissors. With scissors. <laughs> uh, he never really gets undressed ever. Like he just stays in his his clothes, like his his same clothes, like the entire time. It's you realize? It's great. Did you notice the way he turned the TV on? Yes. He there's act- that, he, that. It's like a gun. He, it's a lot of wrist action. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's up, it's it's up there I mean, with William like, Sadler from a Die Hard Two. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> very very intense. <laughs> I'm shocked with how Stallone probably marveled at his body that we didn't get more naked Stallone in this, like just walking around with junk hanging out. Right. And I'm still I'm still confused as to whether or not there was actually a sex scene. Uh, Stallone. I mean, you you can see it up until I believe the mid to late '90s, him doing nudity scenes uh, when he's well into his 50s because he could, you know. But yeah, so <clears throat> this movie was a. It was a production of Golan Globus and Canon Films, which is, oh man, what a rabbit hole. Uh, the stuff that these guys did. Uh, the thing that I believe they're most known for and, and a series of films that we, we are quite fond of and you introduced me to, uh, the Death Wish sequels. <clears throat> Not the original Death Wish, but the Death Wish sequels. Like the, they, These guys are responsible for that, but they also were responsible for several of the uh, Chuck Norris B-movies of the time. Uh, Invasion USA, Delta Force, stuff like that. Masters of the Universe. I, it, you can almost start to notice a pattern. They almost made a Spider-Man movie back in the mid-'80s, uh, but that didn't pan out. And, of course, they made and almost destroyed Superman with Superman 4. Uh, these these guys these uh so there are two israelis who basically bought um i guess they bought canon films is that what it was like yeah basically these guys were insane well one of them was one of them was there was one guy yeah Yeah. like the other guy a globus i think is a bit more practical about how to execute the the crazy (laughs) visions of 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 uh Monaheim Golden or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah they're hard names to say, but these Monaheim these guys what they whatever. they specialized in eighties action B movies and like when I say specialized I mean even when even if they're if they were bad they're still very enjoyable like there's a kind of workmanlike quality that went into these movies so I find it odd that Stallone would be would gravitate towards them I guess they hadn't completely sullied their reputation in 1986 but these guys would crank this stuff out uh, month after month and they would turn a profit and cobra did turn a profit it wasn't huge it it, it was kind of ahead of its time and that it made up its money overseas which seems to be uh, any type of movie's saving grace uh, nowadays but Br- brigitte nielsen are, were, are they married at this point 
Yeah, I think they are. This is a great point to bring up is talking about her because she she's not very good. Like what's crazy is this performance is like right in the middle of her two best performances that 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 are perfect for her. Oh no no no! You're right. uh, Oh god, Rocky Four and Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yeah. Yeah, I love her in Beverly Hills Cop too. It's a yeah. see, and and they nailed it. Like, they're basically it's almost the same character in a lot of ways that she is from Rocky Four to Beverly Hills Cop. Absolutely, too. it is. She's a confident yeah. European woman, and that's the thing. Like, she's tall. Like, use those things to like really like you know. And her those are her strengths. Work at them. The problem with Cobra is she's a model, but like she's like completely like useless and like she's forced to like act like weak most of the time and she's it was not a good odd. actress it was know? odd seeing her play weak it like that's that that's a great point because beverly hills cop 2 she is incredibly intimidating hell she shoots bogomil yeah like, she's she's the reason the plot gets moving in the second film and in this movie i mean she's she's very subdued she doesn't really do a whole lot um she has one moment of of ingenuity that a scene that I really like the hospital scene when Brian Thompson tries to come in and get her and yeah, she's a, she's able to, and I'm so glad the movie didn't lose itself here because anyone who's ever been in a hospital knows those doors are hard to even push open. <laughs> those, oh, yeah. you know, the, the door that Brian Thompson can't quite get through until he gets his ax. And he has a lot of trouble with that. I really did uh, appreciate that little detail. But that's her one moment of being intelligent, <laughs> and then she even manages to pull the the uh, the fire alarm. So that's that's really smart. Uh, and and let, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a sec. This movie, at least I found it. This oh, I didn't remember how violent this movie was. Like almost uh, disturbingly so. Like these yeah. are if Stallone's note to Brian Thompson was, you know, you're just evil. You're just evil. There's no backstory. Then I buy it. Because the things that they do are just brutal. And the first time this film was submitted to the MPAA, it got an X rating. And you can, I mean, you can see it on screen. You can see where the cuts were made. Because these murders that they, that they do to these poor people, I mean, I'm, I'm actually really glad that they're not in the movie. Because he's got that, that weapon that just, I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, it's that a knife, knife, but it's, oh, yeah, yeah. That- uh, it, it gives Rambo's knife a run for its money. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this thing was drastically cut down, uh, thankfully so, and don't have much motivation as to why they're doing this other than just to create absolute chaos. And, it, it, and that's the weird thing, too, is the Lee Garlington character, she works for the police department, but, but when she's with the police department, she seems very level-headed, like in control of her actions, in control of her thoughts, and anytime I see anybody else from that group, I don't get that vibe at all. Right. Yeah. It's it's strange. Like it, it her like the way she acts when she's not like playing cop or whatever. If she's when I mean, she's not being the mole in the police department, like the opening kill of the movie that they get, where like they they ram that poor lady at the traffic. What light. are you drunk? Yes. I'm sorry. Was there like any damage? <laughs> The w- I I have no clue what direction she was given to deliver that line, but uh, that feels like take one nailed it. Move on, print <laughs> yeah. it, cut, print. Because yeah. like, you're Check right, like, she, she acts like completely like out of her head there. But then like in the station, she's like you know ah oh, well you know I uh, I don't get I don't get to do anything cool here, so I'm just gonna 
you know, play it normal in this scene, you know. No one cares. It's all about Sloane anyway. But, you know, like, the... the the I don't know if that was like one of their weird choices where they're like you know these guys like when they're part when they're in the new world kind of setting like that's when the that's when the they, they act all nuts and crazy like it seems like that was a no conscious one, note but it's no one else know. seems to have a day job <laughs> right well except J P like, Morgan who we keep talking about who's back there uh, yeah, yeah oh oh right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Erwin R Scheister yeah yeah exactly so hey you know what I'm gonna get my uh, I'm gonna get myself a uh, turkey on rye and I'm gonna head over to the new world and see what they're doing <laughs> I'm gonna bring my axe too yeah <laughs> and I mean you can look at the finale like, it's hard to tell exactly how many people are in this thing because whenever they show the clanging axes because I think they show it two or three times during the montages um, it's about I want to say ten people and then in the finale of the movie where Stallone truly does have to become a one-man army it is wave after wave of these guys in yeah. broad daylight mind you <laughs> fully exposed and he is wiping them out so I, I don't even know if he got them all uh, at the I, end of the I day mean, it, this is like I mean it, it's like sending every incarnation of the new world order from wrestling after sting like that's how many. It, this it is the B is that, team. It's that many people. It's 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 incredible. And like again, like this is where like you know you you wish you knew what these where these guys were coming from. But th- this goes back to being a Golem Globus type of movie. Like it, that stuff doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you look at Invasion USA. Right. It's really a lot of the same thing. Like where are these guys all coming from? Like where like who who decided like you know what I'm gonna go sign up there with. Uh, with Rosdoff, you know, he seems like a pretty cool dude, you know, kind of got a wild plan going, but you know, Hey, forget it, man. Probably good for benefits. Right. You know, Hey, <laughs> you got dental. <laughs> so, yeah. That you, you meant, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Let's talk about the direction of this movie yeah. and mainly the director, George, uh, Com- comatose. <laughs> Was that what they call him? <laughs> yeah. So I, it, there's so much more in depth that can be go that you can go into with this, and there's an interview with uh, Rick Waite and with Brian Thompson talking about Cobra. Rick Waite, the DP, talking about how yeah they would just call him George Comatose because he really wasn't much of a director at all. He was a nice guy, a nice producer, but basically useless. Right, and I've heard this before. We have heard this before about this guy. There's only three movies I can think of off the top of my head that he had any involvement with. One is Rambo Two, which I give the credit to that to. Sly and James Cameron. Uh, I, I just I just do. Like, uh, James Cameron knows how to write a sequel. But then he did Cobra, which apparently Sylvester Stallone half-directed. Like That's what it sounds like, is that he ran that production for the most part. And then, ugh, I hate saying it because I don't want to give him the credit for it, but uh, Comatose directed Tombstone. Uh, right. Allegedly. Right. Yeah, and, like, and remember, too, he was the a sub too. Like right. They're, they're, and who was the I original director? Know. No idea. Yeah, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't tell you, man, for, but yeah. the rumor for Tombstone is that Kurt Russell directed the movie, which is one of my favorite juicy little bits of trivia simply because Kurt Russell has never directed anything. Uh, he's not a film director at all, but the rumor is that's he, that he directed Tombstone. And Tombstone is one of the best westerns of the last 30 years. So like, that's yeah. That's remarkable. And, of course, the Tango and Cash connection, notwithstanding. And uh, it's 
Oh, it's weird. It, it, like you mentioned things that you can listen to. Um, there's another one. Uh, there's actually, if you have the DVD or the Blu-ray of Cobra, uh, Cosmatos does a director's commentary on the film. And I mean, I, I don't believe I will ever listen to it. Uh, I really don't, don't care what he has to say. But um, it's there. I mean, if you want to hear his take on it, like apparently he, man, he, he walked up to Brian Thompson after the movie was done shooting and said, if you just listen to me, you, you could have been so much better because Brian Thompson took all of his notes from Stallone, all two of them. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, and based everything off that, you know, like one thing Rick Wade would talk about was like, you know, he would come in, they allegedly watch dailies and come in with these notes and they'd look at the notes and like that's Stallone's handwriting. That's not yours. So, you know, don't like, don't act like these are your notes on what we need to change. So, uh, you know, man, like it's, it, what's funny is we talk about how this is Stallone trying to be dirty Harry, Stallone trying to do his Clint Eastwood type of movie. Clint Eastwood did this all the time. He always had puppet directors that would, That's true. Uh, if he didn't want to, if he didn't feel like he wanted to do the full direction, he just wanted to star in it, but just kind of get things the way he wanted to. He'd stuff one of those dudes in the director's chair who, you know, was just there just to aim, point, click, and shoot, basically. And that's Buddy it. Van so, Horn, what right. the hell are you doing here? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, man, I mean, that's I, – I would honestly like it. I, I, now that you mention about him having that director's commentary, I'd love to listen to it just to see, like, what he thinks of himself when it comes to mm. Cobra because I'm sure, like, you could probably just have a notepad and be like, that's probably not true. That's not true. <laughs> I guarantee right. you, that's probably not true about what he's saying. So, yeah. One of my one of my favorite behind the scenes stories for the movie is that um, Stallone berating the film crew, like just like, oh, you know, we're behind schedule, you know, uh, just behind schedule and this kind of stuff. And then uh, I don't remember who it was, but some crew member told him, well, maybe if you weren't screwing around so much with Brigitte, we could get this done because you're causing the problems too. And Stallone was like kind of Vince McMahon himself where he was kind of offended but at the same time he's like I, I kind of respect that guy <laughs> you know so maybe I think that's that was true that was the DP that was weight that um oh, is that, that did it. Okay. yeah because he like he, he he talks about that and he was like you know I what I love about listening to him talk is he was like dude I didn't care if I got fired. I had two movies and backup ready to go. Like, I could have gone right from another set. Good. This guy DP'd 48 hours, you know? Like, this guy loved, This guy was, uh, you know, always on standby for an action movie because he loved doing it. And he was pretty good at it, too, like, you know, based on what, you know, he was, well, he was talking about. So 48 hours. I mean, that's, that's a phenomenal movie, oh, yeah. uh, unlike, unlike Cobra. But, um, yeah, so, and, and Stallone, I mean, he would carry this with him for the next few years where he seemed to control the production more than whoever was directing it. Um, he would go and I mean, I'd, I've always wanted to know exactly what his, what kind of say he had once cliffhanger rolled around. Uh, cause cliffhanger was his comeback movie in the early nineties and it's a damn good film, but we never really hear about exactly what kind of power he was wielding around that time and, and i say come back loosely because he had he did that and then it was basically right back into the into the hole with judge dread say, and the specialist De demolition man he, he kind of he had one other kind of hit kind of right hit. oh no that no, no, that was a hit demolition man yeah absolutely i'm not the biggest fan of the movie 
No. But yes, it it is. That was a huge hit. And hell, you know, I still talk to people today, not that aren't big film fans, certainly not big Stallone fans, that love Demolition Man. Uh, so I'm always just kind of flabbergasted. But I, I just chalk it up to Wesley Snipes. People seem to love Wesley Snipes in that movie. I, yeah. I think it's a little goofy, but uh, you know, <laughs> but you know, Stallone, a lot of his output was at the time. Um, and hell, I mean, he did Oscar. You know, right. <laughs> who knows, like, what the hell he was thinking on that one. Well, that's but, John Landis, too, so that's one thing I'm curious uh, about. Or, or was it, was that, because if, uh, I know Don Amici's in it, and it feels like it's got a lot of John Landis. It could uh, be, I mean. Type of scenes in it. Because John but, Landis, that that's right around the time when he started going down the tubes, too. Uh yeah, strictly John Landis, strictly a '70s and '80s filmmaker, right there. Because <laughs> you, know, you know, once he made it into the '90s, I mean, you got that. I mean, I like Beverly Hills Cop three. That's just me. Nobody else does. But Blues Brothers two thousand. I mean, hardly ever hear from Landis anymore. So that wouldn't surprise me one bit if uh, if he was the one who actually did. I've never seen Oscar. I still have not seen that movie. It's and I think it's pretty, because of how I, I enjoy. Really, it. I do enjoy. Like, it. I think it's just. Yeah. You know what keeps me from seeing it? What? The front cover. It's just the cover. Yeah, I, I, I hate also, how smarmy Sly looks. There, but. And it, I just confirmed it is Landis who directed it. There's a weird. There's oh, always okay. a weird. There's a weird urban legend around that movie, and then we can segue back into Cobra. But it's always fascinating that allegedly Coppola did not want to do Godfather three. Oh no, he absolutely didn't want to do it. <laughs> That's what I've he, heard. And when he gave pushback, they were like, "If you don't do it, Sylvester Stallone is okay. He's going to direct it." <laughs> And so Coppola, or so Coppola, you know, relents or whatever what? they work out, and then guess what? And look at what Stallone comes out with next. He does Oscar, which is kind of his foray into doing a mob movie, although it was more of a comedic route. Again, that's an urban legend. There's no. I've never heard that, but that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I, again, I have no idea if that's that's true or not. It's something I always heard and I thought was funny and held on to, you know, just so we could do this podcast, oh. you know, twenty years later. Right, um, I'm storing that in the memory bank. Stallone <laughs> directing Godfather Part Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Hey, it would have been a reunion with him and uh, Talia Shire. <clears throat> yeah, it would have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though she's practically useless in that movie, she didn't do anything. <laughs> right. But uh, so yeah, well, uh, maybe another time. Yeah, big big Godfather fans here. So let's uh, let's segue back to to Cobra. So Cobra was released. Um, with with the shortened runtime, and it turns out, I, I guess it paid off because it, it debuted at number one. Of course, it had a huge opening weekend, and the typical drop off that you would expect uh, for a movie of this kind at the time ended up grossing about forty five, fifty million in the U.S. on a twenty twenty five million dollar budget. But overseas, you you add that into the into the gross, and it's about one hundred and sixty million. So, you know, not the not the gargantuan sized hit of Rocky. For Rambo two, but this was this was pretty big, if you if you account for international, which I don't think they did nearly as much at the time. But Cobra, I mean, this this is one of those movies that had a lasting legacy through VHS, and I attribute that entirely to the reason that I bought it from the five dollar bin. Other than it being a Stallone movie, it had an awesome front cover. Oh yeah, the poster's phenomenal. Bad, and that's Golem Globus films always had great covers. Yes, they did. Even Masters of the Universe is a great cover. Yeah, yeah. Hell, hell, Superman Four's cover. Well, it's how they sold the movies. Like, yeah, um, I mean, well, you can't sell it on quality. (laughs) No, I mean that's how they would get funding. They had no script. They would have a poster made, 
you know, this is probably this probably predates Cobra, like a lot of their earlier pictures. They'd make an awesome poster. Go take it to uh, financiers, and they'd be like, "This is the movie we want to make." They're like, "That looks awesome. Here's fifty million <laughs> or whatever." Yeah. And and they wouldn't have anything yet. They wouldn't have anything, which is unheard of today. But they would pull right. it off. This like the thing about the release. You gotta of this admire movie, that. Oh, gotta, of course. Yeah. The, this the release of this movie is so fascinating because we talk about all this stuff with ego, and yet. When it was coming to the May 23rd release, a movie, a substantial movie had opened the week before that really scared them off, and that was Top Gun. And which, It was the course, week before? Yeah. Top Gun came oh, out the wow. week before. It was an absolute monster. And it, I mean, look at comparison-wise. It looks gorgeous as a movie compared to, Co- compared to Cobra. Right. But what's fascinating is you talked about the runtime. So they submitted, so they got the X rating, so they cut it down to... They cut they they cut a lot of the stuff down to where it was like around that two hour mark and then it was like, you know what? We're worried that we can't compete with Top Gun. Let's cut it down to eighty six minutes or eighty seven, whichever one specifically was, and then that way we will get one x we'll get one or two extra showings in a day compared to Top Gun, so that, that way we can make Top Gun money. Well, the the other thing that's interesting is, in the end, like yeah, it grossed like forty some forty million. It didn't even outgross in the end the movie that it opened side by side with that weekend, which was Memorial Day weekend of '86, which was Poltergeist Two, which had forty nine. Oh million. no! So yeah, it, oh, it beat it really? out. It beat it out in the, the 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 opening weekend, of course, like you said. But um, Poltergeist Two had legs. Yeah, well, in comparison, I mean, at forty nine million, which I'm sure its budget was more like ten, which was that that'd be a hell of a hit for that movie. I'm not sure what its budget was. But it's it's just fascinating that like even the Sloan Ego machine was like I, I can't like they they tried to instead of going head to head with Top Gun and being like you know like let's let's put our chest out here and really you know sink into this thing it's like no we'll go this route we'll slash and burn the movie as much as we can just to get it to where it is and it'll be you know a, a theatrical hit well it's not it's like you said this movie is an amazing case like I, I don't I, I don't know what kind of numbers are out there. For, for for cable, you know, or for or for VHS for this movie, they've got to be substantial. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, which is weird too. Stallone, I mean, he's a big franchise guy. It's it's strange that he never even attempted to do a sequel to this movie. Uh, it's 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 a very memorable character in a very unmemorable movie, and maybe maybe I mean maybe that's why. You know, it's <clears throat> I I really think he could have had something here. But it's it's probably you know what it's probably for the best because as fun as this movie is it doesn't of the ridiculous eighties action movies one man army movies not including Rambo I mean between it, this and Commando which had come out the year before I mean it's I mean there's really no comparison uh, in terms of of quality of film I, that, that it's I don't know it's such a it's such a hard movie to to really try to pigeonhole. Uh, simply because I have such mixed feelings about it, Cobra. Yeah, but um, well, I, I think the easiest way to peg is just Cobra takes itself a little too seriously. Commando knows exactly what it is. Right. It knows exactly what type well, of movie it is, and it's and, perfect in that regard. We talk about the uh, God Cobra, the obligatory abandoned factory finale. Yeah, you know, right. it's the same thing. As, that's what made me think of Commando. I'm like, why the hell did I just bring up Commando? Oh, right, because. <laughs> Oh, we got the factory that nobody works in in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's. I mean, it is what it, it is. What it is. <laughs> I, I hate to bring up that old cliche, but 
Cobra, I mean, it's it's fun. Um, and it's it's got a cult following. Like, did, did, did you come across any of that stuff about, like, um, Ryan Gosling and, and, and Refn from, from Drive? Like, they based yeah. a lot of Ryan Gosling's character on Cobra. Like, Which, I mean... Of, of how much they the, love this movie. And, and they're, they're, again, there are elements of the character that are good. I mean, if you want to see, like... The, the one of the best comparisons for this movie for me in terms of this is how it's done better is Die Hard. Die Hard wow. in this movie are alike in a lot of ways, but Die Hard succeeds where all their all the failings of of Cobra are. For one thing, like it embraces the fact that it's over two hours. It's an epic action movie. It is one of the longest. It still feels like one of the longest good action movies I've ever seen. Yes, and and not a minute wasted. That, no, the good thing is. Where where Cobra is just kind of like it's it's Stallone kind of on autopilot acting, where he's got these scenes like where yeah he shoots guys up, but then in the scenes between there we don't see him ever in a vulnerable position like emotionally or anything like that. We don't ever see him really losing. Like there's no act two pitfall where he's got to he's got to hit the rock bottom so to speak and then bounce up towards where the climax is going to be. Whereas John McClane, I mean, there's that awesome monologue about Holly, about, you know, all this stuff like he wants, um, he, you know, he, um, he wants Family Matters to, re- to relate back to her because he's all, he's not going to make it back. And that's a great bit because it's like, he is, he's almost giving up. He's saying, I'm not going to make it. Cobra never has a scene like that. Ever. No. He, the only thing that comes close to is he's putting a gun together, and then Bridget Nielsen wants him to come sit by her on the bed, and they talk about how he very ambiguously how he doesn't I, I, you know I don't really have relationships you know with just oh, you know with, you know that scene is it's clunky and it's terrible and it doesn't really do anything except set up a kiss between the two of them and it's like oh I guess this is him at his worst I guess yeah <laughs> and then I and then we're led to believe they have sex and then in the next scene she's asleep and he's got his clothes back on. So it's very confusing, but it's it's funny you mentioned John McClane because even McClane, like like that's one thing. There are actually several layers to his grief. Like he grieves over the death of somebody he doesn't even like uh, in Ellis. You know, like that's a like that's why that's pr- practically the perfect action movie. Uh, you absolutely relate and feel bad and want him to win so bad. And that's the magic of Die Hard. And Cobra, Cobra's not like that. Everything with Cobra's surface level, you can dig into this thing, and you're just going to come up empty. But anyway, so that's that's Cobra. Uh, if you had to give this a rating, well, what would you give it? I mean, it it's it's tricky, but like it, it, with fair objectivity heart. and everything. I mean, like to, to be fair, I, I can only I can't go higher than a seven. Like on an entertainment mm-hmm. value, like it's through the roof. Like what's crazy is like all these things that are wrong with it goes back to one of the first things you said. Would you really want to change it? No. It's it, This movie is so perfect in kind of being a mediocre but fun action movie. Like, And I think 7 is, is, is a fitting rating for me for that because I would if it's on TV, I will watch the hell out of this thing. Sure. I really will. But like when we really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, it's like, man, man, this thing could, add so, could have been so much better. But I'm kind of glad that they don't have the opportunity to make it better. Just leave it alone. So where would you put it? Oh, absolutely! It was a seven when you know when I first saw it, and it's a seven now. It's it's one of the easiest layups uh, to get that rating that I can think of that I've seen uh, recently. It's just it doesn't really do anything wrong, but it doesn't do anything right either, except be entertaining. Right. And 
that's the only way that I can look at this movie. I mean, I can't imagine that when they were making this movie that they thought, oh, people will be watching and discussing this in 30 or 40 years. Yeah, it's, but here we are. And on, on, that, on that level, I think the movie is a success. Uh, it's, a, it's a memorable character. I really, mm-hmm. I really like the character. It's, he's straight out of a comic book. And it, it just, I just wish that character had been placed in a better movie, not necessarily Beverly Hills Cop, but something that, that was worthy of it more. And I, I wish Stallone had, I wish he'd cared a little more because I, I can actually see him not caring in certain right. scenes in the movie. And that's, that's sad. And then, then there's Tango and Cash where it looks like he's over caring <laughs> about the movie. Oh, yeah. But it yeah. works so well uh, for, for that movie. So anyway, so that, that closes out the month of May of, in 1986 uh, with Cobra. Um, <clears throat> thank, and uh, th- as always, thank you for downloading this again. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RealChangePod. And uh, we will, we're coming back next month. What's the move? What's the movie for next month? I don't even. Well, it's June now. This is now. I was going to ask you this because there was. I can't um, remember. Was it? Were we going to do Ferris? Oh, that's right. That's why I, because we never decided. Um, yeah, we're yeah we're thinking about doing Ferris. Uh, I believe that's the same month also as uh, Running Scared, the Billy Crystal Gregory Hines movie. It's gonna that's true. it's gonna be. It's going to be one of those two, probably. I'd have to go back and look at the uh, at the notes, but um, I, I, I would be interested this. to it, talk it, about. <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, here, are you sure you don't want to do the movie that made ninety-one million dollars that came out June thirteenth? A little movie called Back to School. <laughs> oh, Back to School. That's how much well, money I mean, that movie made. <laughs> I'm just saying, well, like that's incredible. In in eighties money, and well, Back to School. Yeah. Like, it's such an enjoyable movie. I honestly, I mean. We should probably be saying this off air, but I've always wanted to discuss uh, Ferris uh, yeah, simply no, because, cool. yeah, as as much as I like the movie, uh, there is a odd amount of praise that that movie gets that I've always sure, found questionable. Sure. Um, but so yeah, which we'll, one? We'll, you oh, I mean, it, it'll, we can we can just figure that out later. <laughs> Honestly, it'll probably be Ferris. I mean, I love Running Scared. I'd, I'd love okay. to talk about that. Yeah. But I mean, and especially a Billy Crystal movie, which would. And to, to be that movie, you know, right? It's, did you know Billy Crystal was in an action movie? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, like that's kind of the um, the what, what do you want to call it? Um, the novelty. That's the novelty of of that movie is Billy Crystal is, is in a buddy cop movie, and it's actually pretty damn good. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. As I said, we're at, we are at Real Change Pod. I myself am at CM underscore Stabs. I am at William Rankin eighty three. And we will see you in June, 1986, for, well, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Thanks for downloading. We'll catch you next time.